Have you ever thought about that while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb? I did. I actually bought two homes in Albuquerque that I Airbnb'd, and it was just an amazing investment, honestly, because, you know, as you are accruing value in your property, you are also making money on the Airbnbs. It's amazing. So your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 21 Seeds Infused Tequila is a must-have. It's an award-winning tequila. It's infused with real juice, with real fruit, which means the flavors are built in. It's real. So you need like two or three ingredients to make your perfect cocktail. Hey, um, you know how I'm always trying to keep my house parties exciting? New cocktails? <laughs> do you? Yeah. Okay, well, here's something that's going to flip the script. Okay. All right. 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. Yeah. yeah. Tell me more about this, right. Oliver Hudson. Yeah, 21 Seeds is an award-winning tequila that's infused with juice from real fruits. You only need two to three ingredients to make the perfect cocktail. Wait a minute. I think I know what brand you're talking about. You know why? Yeah. Because 21 Seeds is founded by two sisters and their friend. It's female founded. That's right. See? Sounds See like how I know? Something I can get behind. I know. Well, there's a good story behind that for sure. Listen, if you love tequila... You have to try 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. Enjoy responsibly. 21 Seeds Diageo, New York, New York. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hi, I'm Kate Hudson. And my name is Oliver Hudson. We wanted to do something that highlighted our relationship. And what it's like to be siblings. We are a sibling rivalry. No, no. Sibling rivalry. Don't do that with your mouth. <laughs> sibling rivalry. That's good. Oliver. Yes. I love this interview so much. You got off, we got off this interview and you were like, I'm so inspired. You were so inspired. You wanted to like go into the desert and make some weird avant-garde movie about nothing. That's how inspired oh God, you were. I know. You just I know. wanted to I wanted, like, I, 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 I wish be a, you wanted I, to be a Duplass brother. I did. I wish that I was a part of, I wish I was the, I was the third brother, you know, I just very cool. Very, very cool guys. But it was interesting. One of the most unique, I think, interviews that, that we've had as far as siblings go because mm -hmm. there was a codependency that you will listen to. I don't want to spoil anything. But it was, it was so deep that they had to do something about it. You know, there had to be a breakup of yeah, sorts. Yeah, I mean, this is what their book is about, which it, it's it's um, like Brothers, and it's available right now in paperback. But it's almost, I said it, it's like a cosmic almost a multiple lifetime type connection that's so deep that mm -hmm. it took them this lifetime. And for those people who aren't into that, that's okay. But it kind of is a mm. good kind of way to 
talk about how tight and how close they they are and how they've had to deconstruct their relationship a little bit and re kind of look at like their dependencies on each other. So interesting. I loved it. And they're so smart and fun. They're and smart and cool. talented. They're talented actors love and them. filmmakers and producers. And they're just talented people. But I don't know. I just I love their openness and I loved getting to know them like that. I love that they're constantly seeking new ways to tell stories and that, that that is really truly like a deep passion for them is is to be storytellers and it, like you said it was inspiring to me and then you left and you were like I wish those were my siblings <laughs> mm-hmm. no I do well, I'm actually petitioning to to actually become part of the family I, <laughs> I have a few calls in <laughs> well, and they also have their HBO documentary which we talked about which we've been getting into called The Lady and the Dale. Mm-hmm. And that's out. Awesome, awesome story. Oh. They find these very cool stories. Oh, what an amazing yeah. Check that out. woman. Like this yeah. whole, uh, the history of this woman and the story is so awesome. And we won't, again, ruin it for anybody. But but definitely check that out. That's on uh, HBO. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys enjoy this. Um, this is the Duplass Brothers. What's up, guys? (laughs) How's it going? What's happening? I feel like we know you guys and we don't really know you. Like I don't know you. I don't know you at all. You should. But I know you. You should get (laughs) you guys should get to know us. You work with Meredith. You guys both worked with our other with our sister-in-law, our cousins on Wild Wild Country. Yeah. I mean it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Well, I've been watching. I'm on second season of Search Party, so. You're all up in my grill. Oh, oh so that's when he. Oh my he god, comes in. dude! That show oh, is so, so incredible. It's, it's so fucking good, and everyone I is can't so good. Even believe it, dude. It's so good. Your it's character like, though is, it's. I'm not just jerking you off here because you're on our show, but like it's. You are so fucking good in this. You walk this line of femininity, masculinity. You're sort of all of it. You know, I. Yeah. We don't know where yeah. you stand. And it's just the perfect interpretation or, uh, or character, characterization you. of one of these asshole directors is just. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so fucking. <laughs> you guys, I'm so happy you came on our podcast. It's so let's like jump right into it. Usually we. Come like, on. Usually. Let's do it. Have you guys ever made out? <laughs> <laughs> Ollie, this is. This is not. Only, only off camera. Okay. <laughs> so where were, we, where were you guys born? Metri, Louisiana, which is, yes. uh, for those of you who have been to New Orleans, it's like five miles outside of the city, the suburb um, right next to the danger. And I think it was, you know, it was like one of those th- places that developed in the 70s with the spread of the middle class. And it felt very safe and it felt very cozy and we could ride our bikes. Super around. white flight, by the way. Yeah, super like, white flight. Like yeah. White flight TM trademarked yeah for sure particularly in new orleans and and it was like pretty boring you know like we we didn't have much going on and our parents just let us do our own thing there and it very was, unsupervised right yeah, yeah yeah and and we didn't have like any any sort of like 
I mean, I, just different than what I imagine your guys. Was it circumstantially was. Unsu- unsupervised? You know what I mean? <laughs> were your parents working? No, we were we were surprisingly unsupervised as well. Yeah, <laughs> Our, ours was more just like it's safe here, so we're just gonna go let them do their thing. Yeah. You know, and what happened to us is like there were our parents were not like creatives or anything like that. There was no curation of like, Oh, let's usher in a life of the arts for our boys. It was just like, well, we're busy. So you guys just go run around. And, and we never really, I think thought that we could actually have a life in the arts or any kind of career in the arts legitimately. Cause there was just no, there were no models for that around us, you know? But I, th- I think that once we moved to Austin, where, where Jay went to college and I followed him there. That's where we started to kind of be like, oh, I think there, there's a way we might be able to. But you guys were making movies and stuff as kids, right? I mean, you were screwing around, messing around with, with video. We cameras. were, we were just like uh, blindly kind of creative and, you know, but to be clear, our movies were not prophetic of any future potential goodness at all. Like you would not want to go back and watch these movies. They were really bad. Um, but we did lots of creative stuff. I mean, we really did have a lot of flexibility and we used to make stained glass with Mardi Gras beads. I'm sure we inhaled toxic fumes and we just, and we had to make up a bunch of shit. Like, it's interesting. I feel like um, our parents grew up super, super poor. So we just didn't, we weren't poor at all, but we just didn't, we didn't grow up in a culture of buying things at all. Like there was nothing to be bought or acquired at all. So yeah, if like, we wanted to do something, it wasn't like our parents were like, this is really good. We should support Mark and Jay and their endeavors and let's get them a four track so that they can record their music. It was like, great, figure it out. And so like Jay and I were just like these weird little cave dudes and we were just <laughs> making all these things out of, out of nothing. And I think it was weirdly good for us because yeah. it kind of taught us how to scrap and it, and it kind of built this like mentality we had along the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were into making money as kids. Actually, we would set up popsicle stands in new orleans and like sell popsicles for a profit i mean we would making money was big for us oliver loved to make oh my god i love to make i still do that's why i'll do anything what did you do what did you do why do you think he's doing this podcast (laughs) what other (laughs) possible reason you couldn't be be more spot on listen the 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 Oliver, there used to be a big golf tournament oh, yeah. by still our house. At Riv. Still, right. And Oliver used to you to basically use mom's Well, John's across the street, my best friend was John. And then of, of our our house. So they used mm-hmm. their Vanagon. driveway and uh-huh. our driveway and used the Vanagon and basically Shuttle people. Shuttled people. So, and we were 15, incredible. by and the let, way. And let people park in that house. Did not have a license. And so we would, <laughs> yeah. they would park way up the street. And so we would just shuttle people for a dollar each. And we made coin. I mean, we made a lot <laughs> yeah, of yeah. money. I mean, it, it was great. And then they, and then they so we sold it. We sold fake IDs. You know, we I did I, yeah. I tried to do everything to try to make a little more money. He tried oh the God. lemonade stand; it just wasn't enough for him. No, it was spiked lemonade. <laughs> yeah, the fake IDs racket. We we made some. We made those. We would always. Mark, I was just talking with somebody about this, but even in our early days in Austin, we always made fake passes to South by Southwest. Two hundred dollars was like, there's no fucking way. 
in yeah. a million just years. Couldn't afford that. Yeah. yeah. You just can't do it. And it's just like, we're not hurting anybody. We're just going to like hang out in the back and be nervous the whole movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I mean, it wasn't, didn't make it fun, but like we did get in to see that shit. But yeah, we did. We were kind of schemers and yeah, we would just do shit tons of chores. We were kind of kids who were like, what can I do for mm -hmm. more money? Mm -hmm. And our parents were not generous with it at all. Like if you washed windows for like an hour, you would make like a dollar you know, maybe, maybe like 50 cents. They were like pretty tight with all of it. I think so that's we're, great. we're just kind of did, came up. Did scrambling. you know why you wanted money? Meaning like, did you know what you wanted to spend it on? Or are you just like, yeah, they wanted it. Like, their I, I just want money. Kind of. It was different I, times. I did, yeah. Different times. Yeah. It started as just money because it was power and we didn't have stuff. And we definitely did have some neighbors who had stuff and we didn't have much stuff. But yeah, later on when we started making music and stuff, it was to buy four tracks and to buy guitars. And yeah, uh, we, you know, we would go to pawn shops. And even when you go to a pawn shop, it was just like the mentality is like, don't make mom wait too long. Like, know what the fuck you want. We would call the music shop when we're 10 years old and try discuss and make a deal. And, yeah. Try and make deals. To discuss in fucking detail what the snare was like and what the shit was like so that when you showed up with genuinely sometimes piles of fives and ones we would go in and and make a transaction happen That's which is all to say they did a really good job raising us to be resourceful by robbing us of this stuff and we have very quickly turned around and spoiled the shit out of our children yeah and done the no. opposite <laughs> Cannot stop it up. doing it. No, and we so don't know true. what or how. Do what do you, you want? What do you want, yeah. honey? What do you need, sweetheart? Yeah. How can I support you? <laughs> what are your feelings? Tell me all of them so I can save it all <laughs> and not equip you with any of the skills to deal with the but real world. It's funny you bring that up because I was going to ask that question, which is, you know, now you have your kids. I mean, those values are still deep in you. We so talk about this. All you must the time. instill that to some extent. No, I mean, even though they get I, more, but is that? I think there's. It's a half and half thing for me and my household, and it's not dissimilar with Jay. I mean, we're we're very similar in this regard. It's like there's the survivor's guilt mentality of we we felt like we worked really really hard to break in as artists, and it kind of almost killed us emotionally, spiritually, physically. So when we see our kids exhibiting some of the behavior that they might want to go on this track, we want to make that road easier on them. We want to support them because we don't want them to suffer. It's just something I cannot curb in myself because mm -hmm. I love them and they're my children. But at the same time, my brain is telling me, stop it. You are robbing them of the necessary skill sets yeah. you developed on this journey. Stop mm -hmm. it, stop it, stop it. Did you guys parent each other? Did you guys parent each other? I'm just curious because mm -hmm. Mark and I feel like in retrospect, we realized that we parented each other quite a bit along the way. Yeah. Like we really no. kind of I mean, worked on that for each that's other. That's an interesting yeah. question, though, I mean, if you think about I, it. I, 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 I mean, mean I, you, I, maybe unconsciously, because unconscious like, parenting, that could be our new book. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's, you could make a lot of money question. on that book, Oliver. Thanks. A lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you guys want in, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> you can sell that book on the title alone. Are you yeah, you're good. kidding me? Oh my god. Yes. Um, but when you think about it, like when when I had my first like real heartbreak. Yes. It was you in the big times. I was there, and then you were there for yeah. when I, I constantly fall down. 
It was different though. I mean, we were off doing our own things for the most mm-hmm. part. I mean, you guys were yeah. seemed to be like this. Yeah, you guys were we like were, we were lockstep yeah. for yeah. 40, what, for 40 you, years. You were sleeping basically. in yeah. the same twin bed. This is what I read and I'm like, guys. <laughs> it's real. Yeah. It sounds like we made that up, but Okay, it's, but, but it's can I real. let's talk it's about this real. for a second. Like, was there another bed right next to there were two twins? Yeah. We there each was, had our own rooms. Here's the here's had, the truth, guys. We each had our own bedroom. I had a full size bed. Jay had two twin beds, and we slept in one of Jay's twin beds. I don't that know if this is like cute or super how, weird. Wait, how I'm old? Trying though? to figure like, out. You were like eight and twelve, or I mean, from younger than that, yeah, and, oh, okay. and onward. That's you know, I was gonna say, but, but still, it, it, it lasted for a while. Do you remember? Probably till I was like eleven. Do you remember yeah, the moment where it was like? Hey, buddy. Um, so I'm not going to sleep in here tonight, and we we need to figure out a different sleeping arrangement. Was there that? Time? No consciousness whatsoever on my part. How about you, Mark? I don't know. I mean, honestly, that sounds so logical when you say that, and I can't imagine how that didn't come up. But if I'm being totally honest, Jay and I were just very strange and very different in the way that we related, and I I attribute most of this to Jay being someone who was four years older than me, who was willing not only to hang out with me, but actually willing to relate to me and validate me as I was. And and that contributed to this weird little village that we, we were a village of two people. And every little brother wants to hang out with the older brother, yeah. of course. But the older brother doesn't want to do that with the little brother. So that's what that's mm. what keeps it from happening. In our village, we had the anomaly of Jay willing to do this mm. thing. And so that's what kept us going for so long. And then what prevented it from shifting, like you're talking about, Oliver, is at a certain point, our personality, our taste levels have always been exactly the same. What we like, what we enjoy, what we want to make, what we want to see. But our personality started to diverge a little bit. And I started to develop this more like brash, confident I'll just barrel forth through the world and hit walls and whatever happens, happens. And Jay, who was more intelligent and more mature, started to see the world as a dangerous place that we should be nervous about. And that brought his age level down a little bit, my age level mm. up so we could, we could get closer there. And then when Jay went to college, when he was 18 and I was 14, everything shifted in our dynamic because he missed home and he kind of had close to an emotional breakdown being away from our support system. Wow. And, and at that point, he went from being the leader in our village and basically my personal God um, to needing me for the first time. And I was just dumb and confident enough at 14, basically like you, Oliver, driving the van around like, right. I got this, right. you know, to buoy him, mm-hmm. you know. And then I became kind of an equal at that point. And through the years, that dynamic has, we're on this flowing little seesaw of like, who's going to be the older brother? Who's going to be the big brother? And that's, I think why we stayed so close and how we stayed so connected. Did you have outside friends growing up or was it just you two? Yeah, we did. did. We did. Yeah. 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 And we had one common friend across the street who was right in between us in age. And that was pretty incredible. Like we, But we tried to, um, I don't know, what was interesting is we would, I don't know, we subconsciously kind of weeded out the friends who weren't willing to hang out with both of us a lot. 
I mean, there were definitely times where I was in high school and Mark was in junior high where, you know, the age gap shows up much bigger. Yep. And so at that time I wasn't like socializing with Mark, you know what I mean? But, um, I was just like brooding in a corner wanting to murder him and all of his friends at that time, but it was fine. I got him, I got him back. So, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, we always carved out that time for each other and we always knew that that was the sacred relationship on some level. And Mark was saying too, when I was in Austin and he was still in New Orleans, it was interesting. I mean, Mark was so advanced for his age. At first I was flying home to to New Orleans because I did miss it. And it is culturally so unusual and so unique that it was very hard for me to adjust out of it. You know, it's like a very old, old world place. And Austin is actually a very, very new world place. But as we started to realize like how special Austin was, it kind of shifted. And then we started flying Mark out to Austin on like long weekends and stuff. And so Mark became a part of my college experience super early. And like Mark said, I mean, we, we did grow up kind of, we kind of regard ourselves as like cavemen. I don't know. I was just very young for my age. I weighed like 120 pounds in college. Like dating was like kind of not possible for me. And I was like more like the girls that, I was like the boys that the girls were babysitting more than they wanted to date early on. We were just like these two high school looking kids running around Austin, Texas, starting to figure out what a new world might have to offer us. And you know, like Mark said, that around that time, we did start to see people like Richard Linklater and Robert Rodriguez hanging out around Austin. And that's when it started to occur to us that, oh, people who look like us who wear jeans and t-shirts can also make movies. And Slacker and and El Mariachi were $20,000. That was still way, way more than we could ever think about spending on anything. But, um, it was like oh, a, it was a dollar. Yeah, it was a dollar amount where we were like, this, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. And and the DIY art making scene in Austin, beyond just even filmmaking, just music and people making art and distributing it on their front lawn, <laughs> was like <laughs> sort of the ethic of that town at that time. Kind of still is. Was that was that was a that was huge for us. Yeah, um, and I think it made us that. double down on our brotherhood and our bond at that moment of like. We're, we're already close. We already share the same taste. Now we're going to try to migrate out of our existing world, which has no connection to the arts or anything, and try to make it in an industry which is essentially impossible mm-hmm. by, by all accounts. So we, we got to stick together even more closely. Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips. I, you know, I do these calls with some of these people, the founders, just to talk about stuff. And I actually was in the desert and talked to this guy, Zach, who created this chip company. And um, they're really fucking good. What's great about them, okay, first of all, they're really, they, they taste amazing because of the specific corn that he uses. It's flint corn. He, I got the whole rundown on where it came from, the migration of corn from Mexico into the Northeast, actually. We won't get into that, but it has created a taste in this chip that is like I've never had before. Not only that, you can scoop up guacamole and not have it break. This is what... Mm this chip does it can carry a heavy load and it's not going to snap it's not going to get soggy it's really really incredible plus there's certified organic and then non-gmo verified which 
I love. I'm a chip insane person. I know. It's sort of like Kate, I can't stop you know, eating. You know what my wife is like. 50% of our, our pantry is chips. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then and then half of that 50% is corn chips. So I, I'm I'm a bit of a connoisseur and, and these are honestly some of the favorites. Yeah, next time we also should be eating them while we're doing it. That's true, so they can't hear a word. Right. <laughs> this crunch, crunch. Um, so these are so amazing that we want you to try Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips as well. So pick up a bag at your local Whole Foods market. And if you don't have a Whole Foods market in your area, find a full list of online and in-store retailers at zaxmighty.com. Check these chips out. Get your crunch on. Repeat that again, Ollie. Zaxmighty.com. And if you don't have a Whole Foods market in your area, find a full list of online and in-store retailers at zaxmighty.com. Z-A-C-K-S-M-I-G-H-T-Y.com. Each and every, we love this. This is my natural deodorant mm-hmm. that I love. I actually just put it on about two hours ago. Um, and it's my it's my favorite. It's vegan, cruelty-free, founded by women. And, you know, I'm the natural. I like a natural, clean product. That's kind of my go-to, especially for women. And, you know, anything with... I try to not do anything with aluminum under my armpits because it's near your lymph nodes, which as we know is not great for um, cancers. So I try to eliminate any aluminum into my system near an area like that. Each and every has finally solved the problem. Okay. Everyone wants a natural deodorant. The problem is no one has made a good one. You still stink. Each and every is honestly the first deodorant that I've ever used, natural deodorant, where you you do not smell bad. You know, it's 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 organic, it's good for you, it's natural, and and, and you actually it it eliminates odor. <laughs> yeah, and then it has really good scents that are totally neutral. I mean, they're gender inclusive. They they don't like they're not feminine, they're not masculine, they're just they just smell good. Cedar vanilla. Citrus mm. and vetiver, cannabis and green tea. Mm. They're all really yummy. You got to treat your body right. Show it some love by switching to each and every. Right now, our listeners can get this amazing deal. 30% off your first purchase. Now, this is only available by going to com slash sibling and using promo code sibling. Don't wait. Get 30% off. Use promo code sibling at com slash sibling did you ever think of did you ever because you guys are obviously so realized and it's almost like you've done analysis even self-analysis and did you ever look back at your relationship or still to this day and say there is something unhealthy about this there's a codependency that's just yes it works for us but i would never i would never say to two brothers this is how you should go down the yeah Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, we've talked about it so much. I mean, we, a big part of, of that journey for us was actually in the writing of our book. And we talked about really, what does it mean to have been this close, what it has done for us and, and how frankly odd it was to be that close into our thirties and our forties. And, and, and the, the first part, the first part of it was really, 
you know, and I'm not sure how much of this you guys have experienced, but when you migrate from your immediate family, which is your siblings and your parents, to the new immediate family, which is your spouse and your children. And that was really confusing and, and for us and, and, and difficult. And we just felt so many times, you know, just being like, well, yeah, I'm, 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 it's me and Jay in the bunk bed. Wait, whoa, whoa, wait, no, this, this is my wife and my children. And, and, and they do integrate yeah. and it feels normal sometimes, but then it, sometimes it, it doesn't. And I think that when Jay and I were making our TV show togetherness for HBO, it, it really was sort of like the zenith of our brotherhood as us being close personally, us working together 14 hours a day, side by side in a chair. And also us building our new immediate families who both had really young kids. We were just like in the shit on every possible level. And, and it was during that time when things really started to shift for us about like, something's going to have to give here. Everything that we are giving each other in our creative and our personal lives, there's not enough life force stuff to give that to each other, to give that to our wives, to our children, to our work. Yeah. And something's got to give. How are we going to do this? Mm-hmm. And it was heartbreaking. And it took us years to figure that out and come through that. Wow. And how did you come to terms with that? And how did you some sort of, I guess you don't compartmentalize, but you have to free up energy and space for the different relationships that you have in your life. And, and you guys took up so much of that energy and space. How did you parcel that out uncomfortably yeah um (laughs) i mean i think a a big part i mean in retrospect we kind of now see it as a bit of like a conscious uncoupling on some level you know it's like a healthy divorce on some level but you know i think it along with everything mark said too it's like we're middle-aged men now too Mm -hmm. and our tastes are diverging a little bit and we are not we don't. Well, we've like allowed we, for that space. We almost we allowed for it for a while. Yeah, we you know? didn't because we we were like existing in this sort of what I call like an immigrant mentality of like we have no business being here. We could be killed at any moment. You know, it's like that's how our grandparents grew up. We they had three brothers and they lived in three row houses next to each other in New Orleans and they all owned a dry You, forti- you fortify. You know, mm-hmm. we were yeah, scared to be in this business, so we fortified. Mm. You know, and so we were also feeling those urges too, and so it took us a while to kind of come around to this idea that as filmmakers too, that we, I love the stuff that Mark does and, and he loves the stuff that I do, but that we're also like have evolved to be leaders in our own way. And and for us to evolve as artists and people, it's like, you kind of almost need to have your own individual reaction to something as it unfolds, you know, like you have to own something as an actor. It's just like, in the end, it's it's on you. It's on your heart. It's on your spirit. And it needs to be so that the, the mystery and the surprise can unfold in the right way. Part of that we had to figure out and to figure out how we can still support each other in doing that, you know, and we're lucky to have this company and these sort of family members like Mel Eslin, this incredible woman who runs our company, who kind of hold space for us and and hold space for the unfolding of how it's going to be and how, how I'm going to help Mark with his stuff and how he's going to help me with mine, but to not have to be in lockstep Mm -hmm. so that we're just 
honestly just limited in terms of how we can evolve as like people and as filmmakers. I don't know how spiritual you guys are, but it sounds to me, I'm listening, and it sounds to me like you guys have some past life karmic ties and connections. Yeah. It's deeper than just like one lifetime. It's Mm. like whatever it is that is those times Mm. where you guys have to really concentrate on individuating it's it's bigger than even just this one life experience that you've had. Yeah, right? it's bigger than being brothers. It's bigger than yeah. making art. It's more like I need Mark to figure out who I am yeah. and what it is that I'm doing here and his existence his and his input in my life is at 100% critical to what it is that we're doing here on the planet because I, you know you felt it in the last comment. I mean, I feel like we're both moving more towards like, what the fuck are we doing here? And where is all of this leading? And art is a, is a part of that. And it's, and what's it, art is the great cool expression of that. That's yeah. such me. a fun I mean, part of it. Yeah. But, 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 but staying, but staying on that theme, you know, of whether this was cosmic intervention or not, you know, going back. It's all cosmic. intervention. <clears throat> I know it's all, cosmic. but going back, why do I you love think- this moment that's happening right here? I'm loving this <laughs> oh, yeah. stuff. This is my favorite stuff. My favorite stuff. There was a pause, you guys, um, for Kate and Oliver here that was um, pregnant, if you will. I'll just yeah. I'll just put just that in. Wonderful <laughs> sibling, an audio sibling moment. Yeah, I loved it. Yes. <laughs> but why do you think this happened? Like, wh- how did this happen? Was there? Can you trace it back to being? you know, not really parented or not, not, not parented, but having freedom or why did you guys get like this? I feel like it's implanted in the seeds of who we are as human beings, because none of it really makes that much sense to us. Our obsession with each other and our a hundred, it feels like when you see two planets that are sort of revolving around each other for like mm-hmm. eons and eons and you're like, what the fuck? That's what it feels like. And it's, it's like, I twins. mean, to be complete, completely honest as, as, as much as Mark and I have similar taste, we're very different in a lot of ways, like incredibly different. We're incredibly similar in other ways, but we're people who know us really well start to realize we're very different animals in other ways. And that's a whole other conversation about how we feel that we were essentially one being mm. that was working together for the first 40 years. Uh, we, we're one entity God. and we're expressing different parts of one entity. And that's truly how we functioned. And that's also why our girlfriend relationships early in life were not Well, that's how I wanted to get to. I wanted to get to that too. I have to say like. <laughs> I know, I was thinking like, what would it be like oh dating God. one of you guys? Crazy. Like, uh, Fucking I'll, nightmare. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it was like. It's basically like, <laughs> uh, just assume that you are, you have decided to come into a threesome um, and you come in there and you're very, very excited. And then about three minutes into it, you realize like they actually just don't want you there. Yeah. And they just start having all the great sex without you. They're just, they're just using yeah, you to fuck like, each what? other. Yeah. That's really what happened on an, on an emotional and spiritual level. <laughs> with, with all of yeah, What am I doing here? Exactly. What am I even yeah, doing what? here? But what about, what about your current wives? I mean, did they have to go through anything to finally accept, Oh, I'm sure. you know, that this is who you guys were. 
I mean, you should get them both on here and let them tell their yeah. side I mean, story. I seriously. God, last thing I want to do is tell that. And but yeah, there were you know immense growing pains, and that was all part of what Jay was talking about with that sort of this is so unique conscious on uncoupling. But I think that Jay, you really hit on something with that sort of the DNA of we came in baked to be in each other's orbit and and just not no, normal the way that normal siblings are for whatever reason. And I remember distinctly being in eighth grade at the height of my like most vapid, pubescent, hormone-filled, stupid North American maleness, like Beavis and Butthead obsessed. Love you know? Beavis and Butthead. And I had to read Wuthering Heights for school. And I read oh. Wuthering Heights and I'm like, I don't want to read. This is like the furthest thing. And the relationship between Heathcliff and Catherine and how they were with each other, I was riveted by it. And I was like, this is me and Jay. Mm. Wow. This is, okay. this is that. that I recognized it immediately. Ollie has I no am, idea what I you're am talking Heathcliff. about. He's never read Withering Heights. He is me. <laughs> I am him. Read and I was like, Heights. it's kind of weird that I'm thinking about my brother during this, but like. It's actually really is. beautiful. I yeah. was just saying that Oliver has no idea what you're talking about because <laughs> Of course I have. Dude, Withering Heights is my favorite book. <laughs> Withering Heights. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver's trying to pretend like he really understands. <laughs> I, I I read. I read. You're, you're a great read reader. Books. We yeah. laugh, but you, you're Kate's one of the just best jealous readers. of my intellect, my natural it's intellect. It's true. It's so true. What about your parents in respect to your guys' relationship? Do they ever feel left out? <laughs> no, I think they're just they. Um, they are very excited about it. They loved it. They they love it. And they have, they moved to LA like eight years ago. I mean, you know, these are people who never lived more than two miles from where they were, grew up in New Orleans, very, you know, anchored old world people. But I think they, in a weird way, they loved movies. They um, came from very poor place and their whole mission was like, we're going to make some motherfucking money. That's what, that's their whole thing. That was their whole world. Yeah, our dad and went to law school and was like, I'm going to move us up a class and he buried his head down and he did it, you know, and he brought us to the yeah. middle class and he was able to get me and Jay through school and college without any debt. And then they were able to give us like $10,000 in our late twenties to make our first feature film. And that's what they wanted to do for us. And, and, and so they're really, they're incredibly supportive from a, um, I would say logistical perspective and I don't want to say materialistic, but just the elements that were required to get us there. Yeah. You know? It's like you didn't get the bike, but you got the education and yeah. you got everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dude, we got all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's so amazing. Huge. Are you guys yeah. in a breakup phase now? Is this, I'm feeling like, <laughs> you know, like you, you've, you've recognized that this is a little crazy and now you're learning how to be a part. Are you breaking up? We're, we're in the post breakup you're in phase post breakup. or the yeah. post, the post conscious uncoupling phase, which is, I think that, you know, after we made our show togetherness, we sort of realized that this is going to be hard to sustain. And when togetherness got canceled after the second season, we both sort of found ourselves in this very unique place of being kind of relieved as much as it was a dream to make that show and and enjoying that space and a little scared of it and then I think what happened was we had to have a more 
conscious conversation about where do we go from here? You know, what's it going to be? And Jay did a really good job of taking leadership there. I think that, you know, if I'm being totally honest, I was very scared to make that change. Uh, I was used to the fortification of us. I love my brother. I love our collaboration. I had already stepped out of our collaboration a little bit. I was already making a lot of movies as an actor with other collaborators. So I was actually already scratching a little bit of that itch where Jay hadn't done as much of that yet. And, and he really was able to identify that before I was able to see some of the unhealthiness of what we were needing outside of just this bond. And, and then there was some timing involved, to be perfectly honest with you. This is like less, maybe less interesting, but, but it's true in that like, you know, we're, we've made a lot of art about white men and their feelings for each other through the years. And it sort of became a time of, do we need to keep making this right now? And what could we do with our platform that might be a little different than that and supporting other voices and other kinds of stories. So, so the, the bifurcation of that unilateral voice into Jay and I going off and collaborating with other people using that platform to support their stories that also helps with our like survivor's guilt of like giving other people their first chance in the industry, you know? So a lot of things kind of conspired to make it the right time. And so I think that that was more of what you're sensing, Oliver. That was more like two or three years ago, you know? And I think we found more, more peace with that now. And I think now it's now is sort of like the time of, all right, well, we've had a little more of that space. And, and if anything, the last couple of conversations like Jay's out in, Pittsburgh right now shooting this show and I'm back in LA shooting on the morning show and we have a lot of space. We're we're finding our conversation starting to slightly drift towards, oh, I have this I have this idea. Yeah, you're also doing, you know, you're both acting a lot in different yeah. things. So I would yeah. think that that in itself yeah. it's not like you're going to do you know, a three week movie morning show is like six months. And with COVID probably like eight months. Yeah, you know? that's exactly. And I'm jealous. I wish I was like you guys. I wish I was like more like you guys. <laughs> like in what way? Just what so way? many ways. I don't uh, know. What do you mean? You're so. They're, you guys seem amazing. What are you talking about? No, you, no, I'm not saying our relationship. I'm just saying you're, you guys are like so cool. And you've got this great. <laughs> you've got this that great. really made we're me laugh. so not cool. You know, I don't feel like I, at all. I, I, got, I don't feel cool You are. All. You've got this great story. You do things that you love. You, you, you're, you're inspired. And you're also inspirational and you've worked your ass off and it's such a unique voice that you guys have brought. Let me say something, because I think this is important. This is a big thing that we learned, not just in making our art, because I think the best thing that we get back when we make a movie is somebody comes up and they say, hey, I feel less alone. Because our art is really a lot about the struggle and loneliness and, and intimacy and all that stuff. It's so nice for you to say that, but I just want to be honest and just say that like I'm in Pittsburgh for three months trapped in a frozen tundra. I feel like I'm in a federal prison in a Hyatt house up here. <laughs> I feel sad and lonely. And also I feel confused about um, all this stuff still. It's not, you know, when we have these talks, it feel, they're, they're, it's nice to have them because it helps you shelf up and mm -hmm. articulate in your mind what's happening, right? But we're really just in the middle of it. And I wonder if I'll make another piece of art with Mark and want it to be great. And there's a lot of pressure on it and there's all that stuff. And I mean, yeah. honestly, like our, our main goal right now is to like be friends. Yeah. That's our main goal because, you know, we have 
I think the the scariest thing, and I think we caught it at a good time, is that our immigrant mentality and making so much art and fighting so hard to break into this kind of impossible world, as Mark would say, and being one being is like, we're both kind of ruthless like immigrants can be. Mm -hmm. And we were kind of ruthless with each other in, in a full agreement. I mean, in an absolute full agreement. But I think part of what we're doing now, too, is is saying that we're not willing to cannibalize our brotherhood and our friendship and our history to just to make a piece of art so that it can be successful or so that we can like mm -hmm. eat food or like do our dreams and stuff. We're kind of reorienting to say that how do we be brothers again and how do we do it without being lockstep in like a piece of art that feels like it's trying to kill you at all times. It's a weird reorientation. And it's like, we don't have any more rules anymore. And we're also like old and shit and there's a pandemic going on. Right. So I just wanted to say <laughs> that like, that we haven't figured out a It's a very good thing. point. It's a very good point. Jay and I have unfortunately gotten good at the art of distilling these feelings and saying them in multi-syllabic ways that make us sound like we've got them more under control than we do, mm. but we don't. Yeah. No, well, I no think you wrote, I was just reading some of the things that you guys wrote. And one of them is the art of compromise is one of the hardest things we've had to learn over the years. So it's not like all of the, the, the relationship or the power of the relationship was like, all. you know what I mean? Well, who, you're yeah. constantly having. Well, well actually, that's a good question. Like when there is a moment where you do disagree in an artistic way, mm. how do you get through that? And, and do you ever not? I mean, meaning like, do we, how do you, who wins? It's a great question. And it's something that we have nuanced a lot through the years. The way we traditionally have dealt with it is that we, we have this belief, um, right or wrong, that no matter how passionate one or the other person might be about their perspective, um, there's a good chance that that person is wrong. And the reason we feel that way is because coming up making art the way we did, we made so much bad art that our egos were beaten out of us. Uh, and we just know that like as convinced as you are that you are right, you have a really good chance that you are wrong. Mm. So <laughs> what we try to do is just be objective about it. And so Jay, Jay will have an, uh, a thing he wants to do and I'll have a thing I want to do. And then we look at each other and one of us will get the sense that the other one is a little bit more passionate about it a little bit more stuck on it, or, or maybe just has a little bit better of a chance of being right about it. And that person usually gets the chance to win there. And we know that in the history of our relationship, it will totally even out and go the other way at some point. And then if we can't agree, like if, it's, if we're on a scene we're shooting, we'll shoot both options mm. and we'll see what happens. But the core of it is that we don't often get gridlocked because we, being that lockstep group of people that we used to be, there is this essential belief that this person, my partner, has just as good of a chance of being right as I do, as convinced as I am that I am right, because we just just don't know. Art is a great mystery. Mm -hmm. What about jealousy? Yeah. You know, I... I'm not jealous. <laughs> Plenty. Yeah. No, me either. No, yeah. I'm not jealous at all. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> it, it has played it has played a weird part in our relationship and a, and it and it came out in different forms than i expected you know there's the obvious jealous stuff of just like you know well i i wish i wish amanda pete had invited me to go to 
Pittsburgh to do that show. That's kind of cool. Um, does she like Jay? Is he the better Duplass brother? Is there an empirically better Duplass brother? Oh God. Oh God. There's that. And then, but you know, for me, the, the other aspect of it is Jay and I discovered at some point that we had a hard time being at parties together because we occupy a similar space in a conversation. We have some similar jokes that we tell. Mm-hmm. We have a similar lane. That's funny, and like, like uh, we would... Jay just did that one. <laughs> he just did that bit. Yeah. And People we, like we walk away get like, like, it's so weird. Like they would like they do this go around and, <laughs> and we kind of get like jokes. Kind of get like like grossed out by each other. Like it was really hard for me to do one of my bits in front of Jay. Cause like, he knows me so well. And it's like, I feel kind of gross and false. And also he has a chance to do it in that conversation. And so every night, I remember one time Jay and I were like at our closest and togetherness had just worked together like a 12 hour day. And we're at one of those industry awards parties and we saw each other from across the room and it was like that's my brother i'm gonna see and we both kind of looked at each other and both had without even saying it had this acknowledgement just like i don't want to be with you here and we just like <laughs> you, you stay off. over there motherfucker didn't even, didn't even talk to each other <laughs> you'll be over there i'll be over here yeah oh, so i'm gonna dazzle funny. this group of people yeah. and you do that yeah, shit you do dazzle over there never the tween shall meet get the fuck off my dazzle bitch <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm not jealous. I, there's en- there's envy, but then I put it back on myself. You know, even going back to how I said that, you know, I'm, I, w- I wish I was you guys. I would amend that by saying that I feel like I have untapped talent, and it and it mm. exists sort of in your space, in the in the writing, in the directing, in the creation, in my vision. I feel like I have a unique vision, a unique head, a unique mind, but I am too content with just doing what I'm doing. And then I oscillate. I'm like, but I, I, I but I need to do more. And I, I feel He's like so I've got more it. to give. But then I'm mm. like, but you know, I'm but having I'm a beer with my kids desert. and then I'm fucking living my <laughs> life. And I'm gonna I, get in my trailer and I'm gonna go out to Joshua. Right. Tree. And exactly. And and I live well. a deathbed scenario. It's like, what am I gonna mm. remember when I'm on my deathbed? Is it gonna be an award? Is it gonna be this? Or is it gonna be these times that I have experienced with my family? And yeah. not that you can't right. have both, but I do wish I had more of that work ethic, that belief in myself and not being so overwhelmed by the process. I have an idea and then I get so overwhelmed by the finish line that I just quit. Can I, can I offer one thing to that end that may or may not be useful at all? This is just my projection and my, the place I'm coming from is the part of me that feels so deeply compelled and, and is willing to put aside the fear and intimidation that you're talking about of how hard it is to get to the finish line. That is a dark place inside of me that will never be fulfilled enough by the lovely family time by the pool and by that sense of contentment that you actually already at least have some of in your life. That's what I'm looking for that I'm not sure I'm ever going to get. So I will just offer you one person's perspective mm-hmm. of I would trade a lot of that to uh, receive some of that mm-hmm. contentment that you have in your DNA mm. as well. Um, I'm trying to get closer to to where you are. So mm. um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Same. I would totally agree. Yeah, I, I, and, I, and like I would go one step further and say that 
Mark and I did not enjoy our lives very much at all for the first 30 years. Um, <laughs> we were like, when other people were out in Austin enjoying music, and we did it some, we were at home beating the hell out of each other, trying to like make a good song come yeah. out of our bodies, trying to make a good script come out of our bodies, and failing fucking relentlessly for decades. Yeah. And, it, this, and the compulsion of it is also a thing that I would say is is like unhealthy i'm with you whereas as i wish i could have like sometimes i get jealous of oliver's satisfaction of nice like being out in in <laughs> and just kind of like moving to colorado and i'm sitting there going what the fuck are you doing like i like <laughs> oh, she i is. work she's like what are you doing you need to come home i'm like kate i'm like happy here she goes but what are you doing with your life yeah, yeah and I, i'm like, like kate i, I love I you understand. i love you for caring but like i'm i'm pretty good right now and then i'm like That's yeah but incredible. i everything that i do it's like i can't i have to stop myself sometimes and be like stop moving mm -hmm. stop thinking about things all the time and what you have to do and how you have to work something and you know yeah. um, i bought this amazing book called how to do nothing mm -hmm. that is all about this and i've had it for a year and i haven't read it yet because you know because <laughs> that's we are who we are yeah. but i've got it so uh <laughs> i have a similar book called the art of not giving a fuck and i haven't read yeah, it yeah the either. art of not giving yeah, a fuck exactly. i've heard of that one I give way too many fucks. Oh, That's the problem. I have that literally. It stares at me. But also in, the book on my that bookshelf. you love, um, Untethered Soul. Oh, well, that you have That's, to read. I've read, I've read I love that. That's, that. That's, That's like great. my Bible. That's a great book. Yeah, oh, that's my book. Bible too. I've given that book to probably 20 people. I read that book and it changed my life for a good 45 minutes. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> so I went right I, back into my old habits. I will say, it gave me a good yeah. year. No, I gave yeah. a good year. Yeah, this is really it's, you. Isn't it funny that's how impressive. books do that? They, they, they literally get yeah. into your psyche for a certain extended period of time. Like I'm like reading I'm Undaunted Courage, which is the Lewis and Clark book, and it's the discovery mm -hmm. of the West, Ooh. basically. And I'm so deep into this story. And now I want to like live primitively. I'm open fire cooking. I have a new yeah. obsession with open fire cooking now. I'm, you're gonna you're gonna get a week out of that, Oliver. It's gonna be so great. Too. <laughs> yeah, or at least you. another excuse to not be working. Or I'm just yeah, gonna go, go. Yes. I'm gonna go west. I'm just gonna go west. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. You guys are so awesome. This has been such a you good guys are right awesome. back Saturday. You guys. Okay, let's do the speed. Round. I'm just gonna say real quick, I just wanna say that. People ask Mark and me to do this a lot, and we have done this so much over the last 20 years that we always say we no, but you guys yeah. are really fucking special, uh, and you uh, guys made this really fun. Thank, thank you. Uh, and so thank you. Oliver, I am currently in the market for a Helix. Yes, you are, Kate. And you I need, need it. I was just saying mattresses. to Danny, yes, last night we're sleeping, and I was like, it's time. We need a new mattress. We haven't been sleeping well, and we were like, God, I can't really sleep well. I was like, you know what? See? Not sleeping. Now look, so you're See? yawning right Ooh. now. You're yawning right now ah. because you're not getting good sleep. I need okay? that because helix. You're not on a helix. I have I have had a helix. I have had a helix on my bed for a long, long time now. It's really an incredible mattress. Um, you take a quiz, little two minute quiz. You know, you you give the ins and the outs of how you sleep, whether you're a side sleeper, a back sleeper. You know, do you sleep hot or cold or this and that, and it spits out 
this perfect mattress for you. So if you like a mattress that's really soft or firm, you know, if you or if you sleep on your side or your stomach or your back, Helix will have that exact mattress for you. Just a quick, quick quiz. It's got your back. They got our back. So I sleep on my Helix mattress. I fall asleep very, very easily. Um, they have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it for 100 nights, risk-free. They're going to pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash sibling. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash sibling for up to $200 off. So I just want to I just want to talk a little bit about the lady and the dale. Yes. You know, cuz you're talking about yeah. not doing things together, but here we are doing Lady and the Dale. This is what what is this? Yeah. So this this is a, a documentary series that we have executive produced together. Um and it's an incredible true story about uh, a woman named Liz Carmichael who in the 1970s, invented the three-wheeled car to sort of take on the male-dominated auto industry and the gas crisis. And she's a very complicated figure. She's definitely a bit of a schemer and definitely cut some corners. But at the same time, um, she was attacked by the media in a kind of grandiose way once they discovered that Liz Carmichael was a trans woman. And so it's a four-part doc series. It's on wow. HBO Max right now. And it, and it really is just what's amazing about it, I find, is that if this was a, a, a cis white male, we would have had five movies about this story, about what an amazingly complex character and mm -hmm. Tom Hanks would have played it. But this story has been buried. She has been erased from Why? history. Because all trans people are, are history are, are generally okay, erased. Okay, so, so meaning all. back then it's been buried, back but now then, there's probably exactly. a ton of stories um, to yes. mine. That I mean, some of it is accidental. Some of it is like our our systems do not track this. Some of it is malicious. So it's how did it's you a, guys how did you guys stumble upon her story? Uh, it was brought to us by a filmmaker um, named Nick Camilleri, who had been working on it for about ten years and wow. was just really having trouble getting it set up and even just cracking the story because it just wasn't out there. And when Mark and I first heard about it, you know, we it's almost like it, we couldn't believe it. Um, and we so we reached out to one of my really good friends from Transparent. Her name is Zachary Drucker, and she's a trans historian. She's an artist. She's a filmmaker. She's a producer. And we were like, what is this? Is this real? She had not even heard about it. And so she ended up coming aboard, becoming a producer, becoming the co-director of the documentary. And it's mm, I can't it's wait pretty to exciting. I mean, we, we really did get incredible feedback on Sheila from Wild Wild Country as being like one of the most uh, thrilling characters to appear in cinema and Mark and I looked at each other when we won the Emmy and we were like, okay, well, that's a one, that's a one -er. That's we, you get that one time in life. And weirdly, and this is partially because of the gift of that film with the, with you, you know, your cousins, um, Liz Carmichael is probably going to give Sheila a run for her money. Wow. She's unfucking so believable. Awesome. Ooh, yeah. I can't wait. I'm loving these four part docs now. That's like the standard. Everything is a four part documentary. It's, it's been, a great form. It's really wonderful. Documentaries have gotten their due after after so much time. It's yes. great. You know, the masses, everybody's going to see them. It's awesome. Mm, awesome. Um, and your book, when does the book come out? 
So um, our, the book is out February 9th. This is our paperback edition, which mm-hmm. has some extra material and sort of uh, goes a little further into where our relationship has been heading, as we talked about on the podcast here. How was that writing process? Crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, as anyone will tell you, um, you know, <laughs> when you whenever you write a book, you try to give the advance back three or four different times and go kill yourself in the desert. Um, <laughs> but, but it did not work. And we fun- somehow made it through. But it was actually really therapeutic for us, honestly. I mean, the, the book is really an examination of the art of collaboration and how to get the best out of each other without destroying each other but also an examination of our brotherhood, you know, and, and what it's brought us and, and some of the negatives of that too. And, um, it was, it was a learning, it was a learning curve. Honestly, I think the reason we took this book and we didn't even really know it is that this was going to be a way for us to dig into the next phase of who we were going to be. And it helped us get there. Mm. Amazing. Kate, we should write a book. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> you should be. You should be. Yeah, you but should that's be. probably yeah. that's probably why you got to do it. Um, okay, oh so God. let's do All the right. speed round. Um, I, I do want to propose one thing that um, that we that I can be friends with you at some point, and maybe <laughs> yes. you can mentor me, yes. even though I'm 45 years old. <laughs> Please, even though we're I love the it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, one word to describe each other. Oh my God. True. Strong. Mark said Jay's true. And Jay said. Oh yeah, because the voice Mark is, yeah, they're similar. This is one word to describe your relationship. Oh, <laughs> this is right. an interesting one. <laughs> now, I mm. guess, currently. Mm. My first response was just forever. But mm. then you said now. So I'll think about now. Yeah, this is Mark, and I would say um, new. Mm. Kindling. 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 Oh, I like that. That goes with my whole open fire cooking thing. That's right. Ollie's going to be kindling all night. Um, Also, Mark's going to be stalking you because Mark's favorite single thing in this whole world is fire. Fire. Oh, I'm, uh, oh, I'm really? Oh my God. Oh. I've become obsessed with fire. I've become obsessed with all the different kinds of woods, all the hardwoods and the softwoods and how they burn and the kind of burn they give off. I'm just why what I want to see right now is Mark's face disappears from the screen Ooh. and I hear a ding dong at Yeah, your house. that's it. That's it. Literally, that's, that's <laughs> instantly I shows mean... up at your house. Wait, are you obsessed with fire as a cooking, as a tool, or are you obsessed with fire, period? Mostly it's as a like, as a meditation source okay. to like light a fire at a campfire yeah. at my house, the, the, you know, the fireplace, all, all of that. Are stuff. you That's a fire really sign? No, I don't know. I'm Sagittarius. Which, I don't yeah, know you're any a fire sign. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Okay. Who, cri- who cries more? I think, I think we're even. <laughs> yeah. I think that Jay cries more frequently, but when I cry, it's like, yes big <laughs> yeah it's, it's like dang- do we need to go to the hospital dang- dangerous <laughs> yeah that's very very true i cry yeah. more frequently and mark is like okay we're going to the emergency room but, but the rain but the average annual rainfall is the same <laughs> i would agree i would agree uh what song what one song would sum up your childhood mm. summer breeze mm. 
Mark and I did a lot of cover songs of Lionel Richie mm. as an acoustic duo no. in New Orleans. No. Oh yeah. I was just oh, listening. We, I was just listening to a little. Yeah, I'm easy. Yeah. Easy. Oh no. Dude, Lionel's my. There's something about uh, Christopher Cross's sailing that oh, covers a lot of the basis for me. Oh Which God. we later it's... found out was written about the lake outside of Austin that we used yeah. to Oh, out. really? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Sailing is one of my favorite fucking songs. Really? Oh, it's sailing one of the best. takes me away where I'm okay, going to. Okay, first live show. Mm. Rolling Stones Steel Wheels Tour. That's wow. That was mine. Come on! I was really You're little. Kidding. I, it was the Steel Wheels. That's crazy. Yeah, it was my first one, and then and then it was George Michael. George Michael was, was amazing. Mine. Faith. Mine was. Um, I was at the Steel Wheels tour. Um, mine was um, Cutting Crew Bangles, nineteen eighty eight. Oh my god! Fucking incredible. <laughs> the Bangles. Yeah. The Bangles. Yeah. Uh, I'm still getting over still She's the my obsession yes. with her. It's just another man. Isn't that the Bengals? Yep. Man, it is. Monday. Written by Prince. Prince. That song is written yeah, by Prince. Prince wrote that song. You can, by the way, when, when you do know that, I mean, you hear Prince all over that track. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, um, it's right there. Uh, first celebrity crush, like when you were kids. Olivia Newton, John, Grease. Oh, my God. Just, yes. Hot. The pick. I mean, get that. But but what but, what about when she trans? What about when she transformed? Yeah, which Olivia? That's what I'm saying. You yeah. get you get you, you like get both. everything. Yeah yeah yeah. You know? It is. It's, it's that's why she was so wonderful. She she game. looked like my mom, yeah. and then she wasn't, and I was like, this is great. I'm, <laughs> 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 I'm trying to think of my first crush. It might be Olivia Newton John, but I liked her in the before better than the after. I was a little. I was like, whoa. I was like. Scared and on my heels with, <laughs> with the teased hair and shit. I was just like, I'm not ready. Oh my god! <laughs> it's um, a good call, Mark. I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. Who's better at assembling things? Like Jay, a hundred percent. So Jay was obviously four years older. He learned how to read the manual first, and I'm not kidding you. I cannot put together anything to this day because he learned it and I never learned it. And when Katie and I got married, I mean, it was, she just like looked at me at a certain point when we had to like put together a piece of Ikea furniture and she was just like, really? This is like, not you literally are this useless when it comes to this stuff. Like, how is it possible you've gotten through the world at this point? Um, where do you, where do you guys differ the most? You know what I mean? Like, where are you, where are you worlds apart if you are at all in anything? That's a good question. The first thing that occurs to me when you say that is that um, the, in, this, okay. is the, 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 the instinctual brazen confidence that I have of youth has not been knocked out of me just yet. So when it comes time for us to say, should we do X, whether it's a project, whether it's go camping in the Grand Canyon without a permit, it is always me being like, yes. And always Jay being like, whoa, maybe not. And thank God he is there to do that. And thank God I am there mm. to do that. Cause somewhere yeah. between the two of us, we find a way of making it work. Yeah. Yeah. The, when you, when you asked the question, the words that came into my mind were Mark is a sprinter and I am long distance. And that is literally what we were in high school. Like That's Mark true. was a, 
sprinter and I was cross country, but it's also in scripts. Like Mark is so incredible in a first draft, but the idea for Mark of writing 20 drafts of something is like, he I would can. rather jump off the building. <laughs> I can. And also like editorial, we have been through like seven month editorials sometimes. Wow. And it's just like, it so i have we, to go away yeah yeah I yeah i can't oh well, even when we did our like conscious uncoupling it was a little hard mark was like it felt like forever to him and i was trying to communicate that this is a long game mm-hmm. you know and we've been doing this for three days man <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know and and what's been interesting too is now that we're doing more stuff on our on our own i've had to learn how to throw myself off of a cliff more because usually mark would just be like uh sorry but you know it was like you know when you parachute and you have to be hooked to somebody else like yeah. we're standing on the cliff looking over and mark would just like secretly like put a hook into my belt loop while I'm not looking and it's, and be like, I'm really sorry, but <laughs> jump, you know, and of course I resented the fuck out of it while we were like free falling in the air. But that one moment, yeah. as, as you guys know, as creators, yeah. that is, that's the hardest moment. Yeah. That is the single hardest moment of any creation. Our speed round is so slow, you guys. I know. Yeah. But they always end up being slow. <laughs> All right, good. Who's the stricter parent? I don't know. I think I, I, know. I think I am. Katie and I are a little strict. I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but I think I am. I feel like I'm strict too, but... Um, that probably means we're both super permissive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? What was your favorite working experience together? Oh. <sighs> That's got to be a tough one. Mm. Uh, the first short film for me that we that was good um, was called This Is John, and it was just an idea, and it was Mark essentially improvising, trying to perfect a personal greeting of outgoing message of his answering machine. Mm. It lasted 18 minutes, and it was like the first time. Wow. It was the first time that I saw Mark. It was the first time that we were expressing ourselves and uniquely what we have to offer. And it was the first time I was behind a camera laughing and mm-hmm. like being riveted by what was in front of the camera instead of that thing that happens as indie filmmakers where we're like, I think we got it. You know, if you're, <laughs> if you're saying that you didn't get it, you didn't get shit. You know, you learn later that when it happens, it happens and it goes in the camera or it doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, um, cool. that for me was, it'll never be, more thrilling than that. I didn't even understand it at the time. I was just like, oh my God. It just was a different thing than we had done before. That's cool. There was a moment for me when we were shooting the pilot of Togetherness and we were shooting the last scene of the pilot. And um, it just wasn't there and it wasn't working the way we wanted it to do. And, and we were feeling the apparatus of the larger budget machine, you know, where you feel like the clock is ticking, everything is expensive. And, and we just felt like, well, we got to stay on budget. We got to stay on schedule. And we just kind of made this decision of just like, no, like we got to do what we used to always do, which is when it's not working, we stop because you're going to make something bad. If you keep moving forward, just to stay on schedule. And we took a walk around the block and we talked to our actors and we found a new way into the scene. And then we ended up getting it. And I remember looking at Jay after that and feeling like we had kind of come full circle of like, we captured what we used to be good at as like kids 
as artists and brought it into the grown up Hollywood machine and, and found a way to like keep our special spirit inside of the machine. It felt so mm, cool. Yeah. Good, those are the best know? moments. I love moments. Love like those moments. Yeah. So our last questions are usually it's a two part question. And the first part of it is if you could alleviate something from your sibling that you believe would better their life, what would that be? And then the other part is if you could emulate something, Take something from, from your them, brother, yeah. from your uh, sibling uh, that you wish you had more of in your life, mm. what would that mean? Mm. Wow. It's a good question. Yeah, that's a really good one. My first thought on the alleviation for Jay is I would alleviate whatever it was in his childhood or his DNA or anything that I might have done <clears throat> that caused some of the self-doubt um, that is there in creative decision-making and personal decision-making. Just, just take that away and try to lay bare some of the certainty that very smart, truthful, soulful, steady human being you know what you're doing. You're fine. Close your eyes. Trust your instincts. You're good. Thank you. Um, I think I would alleviate for Mark the desire, compulsion, need to be everything hmm. for everybody. I'm like emotional. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is so I don't really do that though. Do you guys want some fries or anything? Is, is everybody good? <laughs> <laughs> and what would you what would you want to take from your brother? What would you want to emulate? Which something you wish you had for yourself? Um, I know very clearly what this is, which is that um, I have to set this up just a little bit, but I am a very forward and brave and bold person in this world. And I'm often the first step, as Jay has said, to lead us into a situation. And I, I say, get behind me, Jay, I got this. And, and he gets on my back and we go and we go and we go. And then usually we get to this terrifying point that we could never have perceived. And at that point I lose it and I do not have it. And in those ultimate crisis moments, Jay is at his absolute best, mm -hmm. clear, certain, and just great. Um, and I would love to have that ability on my own to be able to do that. Cause that's not, yeah, I don't. I mean, that's great. Mm. I mean, mine is probably just the yang of that is that I, I wish that I had Mark's confidence, but I think that's reductive the way that I, the word confidence is I think a little bit reductive in terms of the value that he has it, and the way that I see it more now is um, Mark is like um, brave in terms of uh, willing to walk into imperfection. That's, that's a level of courage that I think is um, an incredibly high value in life, you know? It's easy to say that somebody has courage and it can, can be like written off to um, 
something you're born with, which Mark does have some of that, you know, but as we all know, especially as creators, but everybody in this world to walk into something with imperfection where you can look fucking bad is, mm. is just something that I am like so enamored with and Mark and amazed by on a regular basis. Mm. Love. Thanks. Yes. I wish I was a Duplass brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, Oliver, I present you with this plaque. Uh, official. <laughs> official. Oh, I knew it. My first award. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love you guys. This was love so you guys. Great. Thank you love for you doing dudes. this. Thank I love you, you guys. This is wonderful. Awesome. I hope in all of this we can all hang out sometime. Oh, I, I love it. Too. Oh, love God. It. I can't wait. I can't wait. I feel, I feel like we're we can just. I know. I know. I know. Sibling Revelry is executive produced by Kate Hudson and Oliver Hudson. Producer is Allison Bresnik. Editor is Josh Windish. Music by Mark Hudson, a.k.a. Uncle Mark. If you want to show us some love, rate the show and leave us a review. This show is powered by Simplecast. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information hey guys back at the playground again huh yep you know what this playground could use a wine country heck yeah and some waves so we could go surfing oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that a redwood forest would be cool i'm in ah ski slopes let's do it um tenor girl go shopping yeah, baby. wait did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.